0: Or you can find us at our website, madorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Let's get our Bibles. We're going to the book of Revelation chapter 2. Amen, and uh, we laid a foundation last Sunday morning, and my, didn't Pastor Timothy preach to us Sunday night? What a great, if you miss any of these, go back and uh, on our YouTube page, you can watch it again, you can catch it on the podcast when it gets uploaded, listen to it, Um, but uh, we're so thankful for you being here tonight in this study. Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. Jesus is speaking here to John, and he says, unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand and walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and how thou hast tried them that say they are apostles and are not, and found them to be liars. That's a solid church right there, y'all. They have borne and have patience for my name's sake and hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Thank you, Lord, for your word today. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this book in particular, that a blessing is attached to the study of this book. But help us, God, in, in this time to be able to dive in and learn some things from these churches, Lord, and what you were trying to show them that will also help us be a church on fire. In the mighty name of Jesus, let everybody say amen. amen. Praise God. Amen. Turn to your name and say, I've got to be on fire for God. I've got to be on fire for God. And you can be seated. I just want to remind you at the outset that God loves the church. That's not an An abstract thought, it's about you because you're the church. This building is not the church, but you're the church. So God loves you. The story of humanity is an epic tale of God's matchless and great love for those that he created. God is love, isn't he? But oh, how he loves you and me. Unlike any other being. Unlike the angels of heaven unlike the animals that walk across the land or the fish that are in the sea, the creatures in the sky. Oh, how he loves us. God loves us personally. He knows you personally, and so he loves you personally. He loves us unconditionally and everlasting. His love is universal, for God so loved the world. He loves us. He loves the lost. And he loves his church. His love is encompassing and victorious. As the writer in the Song of Solomon depicts, his banner over me is love. His banner over me is love. The story from Genesis to Revelation that we talked about on Sunday morning is a story of a divine romance. Really, it's a story of God who makes man, creates man, then draws near to man. God creates man and then draws near to man. And then man sins and hides from God, and God and his love comes looking for him again. That's love. That is love today. God is the one who woos and works to bring man and woman back into relationship with him. Jesus Christ is the manifestation of that love and that tells us then that love has a name. His name is Jesus. The love story has a name. His name is Jesus. Redemption has, his name, has a name. His name is Jesus. And oh, how he loves you. Yes, Jesus loves me. This I know because the Bible tells me so. I want you to get this into your core right now, is that Jesus loves you right now. No matter how good you are, how bad you are, whether you're doing it exactly right, whether you whether you think you're per- perfect or you're not. If you think you're perfect, you're not. But that's another message for another time. But He loves you. He loves me. Let that wash over you. He loves you. Amen. The story again is of a divine romance. So why do we study the Book of Revelation? Why do we look at this book that it can be so complicated at times and, and and so mysterious and strange, amen, because Revelation presents to us the conclusion of the love story. It's the conclusion of redemption. It's the, it's the end that we're looking for, Revelation 20 and 21, amen, when we are with him in the new Jerusalem and ruling and reigning with him throughout the endless ages. Can I tell you, that's coming. Your life right now may be a short just span of a few years, but after life on this earth, we live forever somewhere after this life is over. I want to be with him. I want to be a part of that wedding. I want to be a part of, that, uh, of the bride that is going to be with him Oh, and rule and reign with him throughout the endless of eight ages and time. Somebody say Amen. We come to the scripture in Revelation where where the Bible said, John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. One Greek scholar wrote that this Greek sentence indicates that there was a greater emphasis on being in the Spirit than there was on the Lord's day. That the emphasis is, I need to be on the Spirit I need to be in the Spirit. It's not always about the time or the day. I need to be in the Spirit. Wherever I am, I need to be in the Spirit. So when John heard the trumpet, the voice that sounded like a trumpet, he was in the Spirit on those Lord's Day. Let's look and see what the trumpet said. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse 11, the trumpet, being Jesus Christ, amen, said, in this vision, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and, and what thou seest, write in a book. And send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, under Ephesus, and under Smyrna, under Pergamos, and under Thyatira, and under Sardis, and under Philadelphia, and under Laodicean. So what what John heard was this voice telling him who he was. Alpha and Omega First and last, telling him what to do. But what did John see? John wrote what he saw in verse 12 when he said, I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks was one. Everybody say, One? Like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot to, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle, and his head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were a flame of fire. I want you to let that vision that that impression sink into your mind. This is what he sees. Uh, the one in the candlestick is like in verse fifteen. And his feet were like fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace. And his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was was like the sun that shineth at his strength. Amen. What a what a depiction that he sees he sees the seven candlesticks that are there before him it is easy for us in our Bible minded thinking to automatically make this the seven branched lampstand like it's in the temple some scholars do that in my opinion they're wrong just saying John didn't see a Jewish menorah here what he saw was seven separate lamp stands that represented the seven churches that God wanted him to address. And so we see the imagery of how God is establishing here local assemblies. God has local assemblies, and he picked these seven to establish the truth that there are local assemblies, local churches. Aren't you glad for local churches? Aren't you glad for MPC? Aren't you glad that God put us in a place that we could be in his presence? And then in the middle of them is the Son of Man standing. John sees a man-like entity and later reveals him that entity to be Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one, the only, standing among the lampstands. He's the focus here, not the lamps. He is the focus Amen. The churches and the lampstands come under clearer explanation later on. But right now, let's think about the one that is standing in the midst of these lampstands. His clothes, he's wearing a long robe down to his feet. Amen. There's a, there's a golden sash, a, a, a girdle, if you please, across his chest. This is how the priest would wear them, not across their waist, but across their chest. In the Old Testament, this was a sign. Of power, of righteousness, and truth. So the one that is standing there has the garment of a priest on, and he has this uh, insignia or the signia of power, and righteousness, and truth. His hair was white as snow. Woo! His hair was white as snow. What does that symbolize? White hair says, You're mature. You're mature. It it signifies also dignity. White hair signifies maturity and dignity. Isn't it amazing that we just want to keep changing that to make it look like something it used to be? but it rather is a sign of dignity and maturity. Then his eyes were a flame of fire. That speaks of his, his wrath. That speaks of his judgment. In Revelation 19, it says that the King Jesus will return on a white horse and he's going to make war with the beast and his eyes are a flame of fire. A flame. Can you, can you imagine that, that penetrating look like as if he could burn right through you? His eyes like fire and his feet were like bronze, not just bronze, but bronze in the furnace, glowing hot red and everywhere he steps, He's pronouncing judgment. He's pronouncing judgment. Amen. He is there as this, this, this entity, this depiction of who he is. The image of judgment against sin is at the bronze feet that are beneath him. And his voice is like the roar of many waters. Ezekiel describes this voice in 43 and 2 when he said, And behold, the glory of God of Israel come from the way of the east, and the voice voice was like a noise of many waters, and the earth shine with his glory. What a, what a noise when you consider being by Niagara Falls, and you hear, that's his voice as it comes forth with a sword out of his mouth. Hollywood ain't got nothing on Revelation. Matter of fact, they get a lot of stuff from Revelation, and it's a bunch of junk that they turn it into. That's my opinion. He's holding seven stars in his right hand. What does the right hand symbolize? Power, authority. We've, we've learned that throughout our time of studying the Godhead. Right hand, power, authority. He's got a two-edged sword that comes out of his mouth and his face shone like the sun at full strength. At the highest, most brightest part of the day. That's what his face... I mean, so, so why this picture? Why would God show this vision to John and say, write it down? And it, and it. I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't grasp everything. But one thing I know is that I know what eyes like fire would look like. I can imagine that. I can know what what, what a head full of white hair would look like. I can imagine that. I want to tell you that God takes Things that you and I can visualize to show us his power, his might, and his glory. It's not that when you get to heaven, you're gonna see a white hair with a with a blazing eyes and a sword shooting out of his mouth and his feet on on fire like he's in a furnace, but it's telling us what he's like. He's in the middle of the church and he's got the sword. He has the word for the church. He's in the middle of the church and he's got the the the, the priest stood for the church he's in the middle of his church and he's got judgment over sin the focus here in these verses are about the one that looks like the son of man amen it is our lord and savior he's the head He's the leader. This is his church. Amen. He's the central figure. He is the one who has all power and authority. He's the one that can judge. He's the one that can lead. He's the one that oversees. This is not our church. This is not my church. This is his church. This is not the ALJC's church. This is not another organization's church. Amen. This is his church. And he stands in the midst of church and notice what happens in verse 17 and he said john said when i saw him he did what you and i would do he said i fell like i was dead wow fell at his feet as dead and he laid his right hand on me the same right hand That is holding these stars, the same right hand of authority. Notice the imagery here. Notice what he's showing. It's not a matter whether this is just a, 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 okay, this is exactly what happened. It is what John saw. But for us, it means that God said, I put my authority on you to write this. I put my power on you to write this. You're gonna write it. But then he said, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. Behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. Jesus said, I am the I am of the Old Testament. That's what he's saying. I am the one who is the first and the last. I am the one who is the resurrected Lord. I am the one that won victory over hell and death. I am that one. And where is he standing? He's standing in the middle of the church. I don't want to be a part of a church that has an idea that I can go move my lampstand to another location and he's not in the middle of the church. If he is in the middle of this church, we might as well just come together and eat some pizza and go home. But this is very important. We understand that Jesus Christ must be central to the church. He must be central to what Jesus at the center of it all. And then he says in verse 19, Write these things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. The mystery, somebody say the mystery, of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou saw are the seven churches. So he reveals to him the mystery. The seven stars are the messengers, are the human pastors, if you please. The, the human leaders, because a messenger can be both an angel from uh, out of this world and an angel in this world. Amen. So this messengers, those that are pastors and elders of the church, he said, they're in my hand. Yeah. Woo, they're in my hand. And I'm so thankful today for the hand of the Lord. I would not want to do this without being, I cannot be anywhere but in His hand. I want to be in His hand because it's not my authority, it's not my power, but He gives the authority to do what has to be done. Then you find the seven lamps are the seven churches. The seven churches represent both a particular church in an area like Ephesus that we'll look into and also the house of God in any era. They provide a model of diagnosing issues in the church that the churches face. The message Jesus sends to the seven churches is one that provides hope, direction, healing, correction, and victory in the name of the Lord. Aren't you thankful for that? That his word can provide hope, correction, healing, and restoration. Why seven churches? Would you put that graphic up, please? Why seven churches? Robert Clifton Robinson writes about this and states, quote, at the time Jesus addressed seven letters to seven churches in Asia, there were more than 100 christian churches in the area of that world why did jesus choose only seven we discover that these seven represents the seven types of churches that will exist throughout history seven types of churches while these letters are written to specific churches and addressing specific needs they are all it is also written for Medora in seasons that we may be an ephesus church In season that we may be a Smyrna church. In season that we may be a Thyatira or a Pergamus or, or God forbid, even a Laodicean church. And dealing with issues. If you think that we never have issues, you hadn't been going here very long. We all have issues. We all are imperfect. Because if we were perfect, like I said Sunday, we would right now be walking on streets of gold. And he'd say, come on up hither. Amen. But we're not there. But, Brother Joe, I'm headed there. Yeah. I want to go there. And he's given me his spirit, and he's given us his spirit, and he's given us his power, and he's standing in the middle of the church. Amen. And he's got the authority and the ministry with with with, with his stars in his hand, and he's saying, I'm going to get you to the wedding. I'm going to get you to the wedding, but you got to deal with some issues. Amen. Yeah, I'm sorry, Jolie and Brandon. You won't always get the wedding plans perfect. Man, we got a bunch of folks getting ready to get married. Amen. I'm sorry, Luke and Emily. Y'all going to hit some bumps and some... I don't know about this couple over here. They look like they're going to make it just fine. I don't know. The seven churches teaches us about who Jesus is to the church. Who Jesus is, the church, and who the church should be to Jesus. Somebody say amen. 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 Thank you. I'm finished with that graphic for just a few minutes. May go back to it. I don't know. When you understand the historical context of these churches, their culture, the religious aspects of where they were, it makes it come even further alive. How many have read the book of Ephesians? Okay. Paul writes that letter to this church. What does he have that is prominent throughout the theme of Ephesians? Who you are in Christ. And he winds up with this thought. Put on the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God. Ephesus was the fourth largest city of the Roman Empire at this time it was home to the temple of goddess diana the frater- uh, f- fertility deity who was worshiped by Im- by immoral sexual acts that was their worship the idol may not be called diana today but it's still just as popular to worship this idol without Hesitation through perverted sexual practices. People traveled from all over the Mediterranean world to worship at her temple. Diana's temple was massive. They say it was four times larger than the... the, Parthenon in Athens. It was regarded as one of the seven wonders of the world. We find that Ephesus was a stronghold of Satan because of its deep paganism. Here there was very strong evil, superstitious, and even satanic practices. Books contained formulas for sorcery and ungodly behavior and forbidden practice and forbidden arts. It was plentiful in the city. Sorcery, witchcraft, it was plentiful in the city. And the inhabitants of Ephesus became wealthy and powerful because people traveled to that city and because they were a commercial port, they became extremely wealthy. Inns sprung up. Restaurants were everywhere. Shops and banks. As a matter of fact, it was kind of like uh, Switzerland or, or, or uh, the Caymans or somewhere where, where people go that want to put their money and they feel like it is safe. And, and so it became a baking center. It became a, a, an education center. All this stuff because of the worship of idols. And so in the middle of this, a church is born. In the middle of great pagan practices, idolatry and perversion, in the hot bed of idolatry a church is born. Woo. Well, we can never have a church there. We'll never have a church over there. We'll never be a part of a church here because they we've just got way too much idolatry. What a good place to have a church. Right next to the gates of hell because he said the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. Oh, thanks be to God. Amen. If you study Acts 19, you will find that Paul went and, and ministered at, at this church in Ephesus. And the battle that he faced is that he faced Prejudice from religious Jews, he pr- he faced the battle of pride of human learning and education, he pl- he faced the battle of influence of idolatry and priesthoods. Uh, that were manipulating the people. He faced the effect of success and prosperity and riches. He faced sensual indulgence. But I want to tell you what happened. In Acts 19 and 18, and many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them, which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men, and they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. I want to tell you, there's not a temple big enough to stop him. There's not a pagan practice big enough to stop him. There's not a perversion big enough to stop him. There is not a culture that's big enough to stop him. Amen. If he wants a church there, there's going to be a church there. And I want to be a part of that. How about you? Come on, clap your hands, somebody. Thank you, Lord. Paul ministered twice in Ephesus. One time he stayed there for three years. Apollos was a minister in Ephesus. Aquila and Priscilla were ministers in Ephesus. Timothy became the pastor of Ephesus in 1 Timothy 1 and 3. Many church historians believe that John ministered there on multiple occasions. The churches of Ephesus The letters to the seven churches are very similar, but when you look at them, you will find that there is three main segments, three main segments. There's a proclamation presented, which would be a revelation of Jesus Christ, and then there is a problem exposed, the condition of the church, and then there's a promise revealed. Everybody say a proclamation. A problem and a promise. That's us. Proclamation, problems, promise. We can see the state of each of these seven churches and the state of our own walk with the Lord by looking at what Jesus has to say. Revelation 2 and 1. Under the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things say he that holdeth seven stars in his right hand who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlestick. What is the proclamation? Jesus is the one... Who is speaking? Jesus is the one who is in control. He is in control of not only the message, he's in control of the messenger. Jesus is not only present and walking among the church, he has authority and power over the church. Hallelujah. Amen. He said, I will build my church. It is his church. Can you thank him for it being his church? Not yours? Not mine? It's his. But then he says, I know thy works, thy labor and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and found them liars, and hast borne and hast patience for my name's sake, hast labored and hast not faded. Not only is Jesus walking among the lampstand. He knows what they're doing. He knows Jesus walks up and down these aisles. He knows what we're doing. He knows what we're thinking. But then when you leave, he still walks with you in your car, on your job, in your home. Mm. Some people say, well, I can blow up in my home because it's my home. Well, is Jesus there? I don't want to blow up where Jesus is. Somebody say amen. Amen. When you look at this church, to me it looks like a perfect identity of of a good modern church right now. They're perfect. They're well established. It, it It is thought that they were already in their second generation of church believers. And at first sight it looks perfect. He said, you're a serving church. I know your works. You're active. You have industry. You have progression. You're doing ministry. I know it. He said, you're a sacrificing church. I know your labors. I know that you're intense with it. And I know that you toll and you work hard. I know you're a sacrificing church. He said, you're a steadfast church. I know that you have patience. Amen. You have endurance for the trial. You have perseverance. Amen. Anybody want to see a church that's like that? A church that's separate. I, I know you can't bear them that, that are evil. Amen. Ephesus was a holy church. They were a separate church. They were a spiritual church. For you have tried them which say they are apostles and are not and has found them to be liars. <coughs> they are a suffering church. You have borne and has patience for my name's sake and you have labored and you're not fainted. This church is an incredible Church, they have embattled. Uh, amen. You have seen the deeds of the Nicolaitans, and, and and I hate them, and you hate them, and so you're a servant church, you're a sacrificing church, you're a steadfast church, you're a separate church, you're a spiritual church, you're a suffering church, and you are a battling church. Amen. I would say that that that's kind of probably a church I'd like to go to. Well, they got a children's ministry, they got a youth ministry, they've got uh, they've got Ministry online. They've got ministry uh, uh, to the seniors. They got ministry to the marriages and the singles and the half singles and the half marriages. The They've got ministries for, for anything you you need. It. We got you know we got it right here. This is all you need. I watch as people say that I'm going to go for a criteria to see what this church can offer me. What can this church offer me? Like it's going to Walmart. There's certain Walmarts I don't like to go to around here. I've got preferences for Walmarts. Anybody with me? Same Walmart, same junk, same price. But I like to go to a different Walmart because I like that Walmart because it's a little bit better. Amen. Well, with people are getting that way about church. I like this one because right now this church has a better sound system than that church. This church got better, better decor than that church. That's kind of where I see the church here at Ephesus. Amen. But I believe you ought to be very aware that there's a nevertheless coming. (laughs) Yes. Anybody ever just simply buttered you up, encouraged you, said, hey, let me just tell you how great you are. But nevertheless. Somebody say, that's coming. Praise God. Amen. Brother Matt, make it just a little bit warmer here. Thank you. Nevertheless, look at verse four. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Nevertheless, all the good that the church at Ephesus did didn't cancel out this problem. You can't have enough ministry to cancel out an issue that needs to be taken care of. You can't have enough activities to cancel out a spiritual issue that needs to be taken care of. You have to deal with it. Amen. You have to deal with, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Amen. A good church will still have problems. An active church will still have problems. And most of us do. Amen. They had good church service. I bet if you walked in that church for the very first time on a Sunday night, it would be rocking. And they would be having a move of God. Their leadership would be top notch. Their systems and organization would be impeccable. And yet the Lord. Says, nevertheless, I have something against you. What is the problem? What is the problem of this church? He said, You have left your first love, intimacy is gone. Truth without love, brothers and sisters, is dangerous. Ministry without love is dangerous. Amen. Without love, a church can go in the wrong direction. A church can have all the truth but not be right without love. Charles Spurgeon said it like this. A church has no reason for being a church when she has no love within her heart. Or when that love grows cold and love is lost. And love is lost. Ephesus was working for Jesus, but they had left their first love. What is the first and great commandment that God said that we should do? Love the Lord. Love the Lord before you plan an activity, before you plan an event, before you do this and before you do that, before you do ministry, before you go to the mission field, before you go evangelize, before you do whatever, love the Lord. Love him. Amen. Notice they didn't. They didn't leave it. Or rather, they left it. They didn't lose it. They left it. Let me say it right. They didn't lose it. Anybody here have a problem with losing your keys? Let me see some honest. Losing your wallets. I know some of y'all walk into a room and you forget what you went there for. If you lose something, you may not know where it's at. But if you leave something, you know where it is. There is a difference. The distinction between leaving and losing is important. We can lose things by accidents, and sometimes things that are lost. Amen. Uh, uh, you don't know where they are, but when you leave them, you you leave it deliberately. You leave it uh, maybe over time, maybe over season, but uh, amen. The word here, left, means to send away, like a husband divorcing his wife, uh, to let go, let alone, uh, to disregard, to omit, to neglect, to leave uh, something behind, to leave one not by taking him as a companion, amen. Somewhere along the line, they got busy in ministry, but they left left the love that God really wanted. God is concerned about our love relationship. The lack of love will destroy a church quicker than compromise will. Say it again. The lack of love will destroy a church quicker than compromise will. Matthew chapter seven and verse 21, "'Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, "'shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, "'but he that doeth the will of my Father, "'which is in heaven. "'Many shall say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, "'have we not prophesied in thy name?' And in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them I never knew you. I was never intimate with you. I didn't know you. I knew your ministry, but I didn't know you. I knew your holiness, but I didn't know you. I knew your faithfulness but I didn't know you. I-, I knew your doctrinal stance, but I didn't know you. I knew you were willing to fight and war for truth, but I didn't know you. Amen. I know you hate what I hate, but I really didn't know you. Can I tell you, the first love ought to be the first thing on our mind. And if we get cold and calloused and indifferent, we'll serve and do work and all that kind of stuff and think it makes us better. But here's what we got to do. we need to Lay down ministry for a while and begin to find an altar and build again our first love. They didn't leave their fondness or respect of the Lord, they just left their devotional love for the Lord. Isaiah 29 and 13, wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near unto me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, they have removed their heart from me, and the fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. I don't want to just give God lip service and let my hands be lifted up out of habit and not out of a sincere desire to show the Lord that I love Him. I don't want to just show up to church and go through motions, but I want Him to know I love Him. I love Him. I come to church. I want to see you. That's great. I want to do what God wants me to do. Yes, indeed. But oh, I want to just have a time of intimacy with Him. That's why we need to get along with God. That's why we need to get along with God. There's nothing more that is happening in this age right now than the love of many waxing cold. This is a time of apostasy, and folks, you, you and I are going to have to have some fire starters in our soul that says, "I don't feel like it, but I'm going to the altar tonight." I don't feel like it, but I'm going to church tonight. I don't feel like it, but me, me, and my hands are getting up, and I'm going to praise the Lord. I don't feel like it, but I'm going to pray today. I don't feel like it. Are you young couples getting ready to get married, i got a word for you. It's a word of Pastor Gill. There will be one morning you wake up and you roll over and think, what have I done? <laughs> oh, no. That'll never happen. We've got puppy dog eyes. that will be a woman, woman when you... Oh, some of you old married folks, you just sitting there thinking, oh, that, that, that didn't happen to me. Yeah. Everybody, everybody somewhere says, what did I do? I know what I did. And I can't undo it. But what do I do with these feelings? Because it's going to be a day that you're going to wake up and you're not going to feel the feels. You wake up and you're not going to feel the feels. It's not going to be the flutterbys and the doodads and the ha Ha! <laughs> won't we'll be there. But you made a decision. Oh, oh wait, you made a decision, not as long as you feel good, but <laughs> as long as you're alive. Yeah. Oh praise be to God. As long as you're alive, you made a decision, because if you made a decision, there'll be that morning when you wake up and you thought, I don't feel nothing, but I still love him. I don't feel nothing, but I still love her. Why? I made a decision. There are times you come to the house of God and you will feel zero, but you still love him. Hallelujah. Because he loved me. I'm just all in, and I'm not walking away because somebody said something that hurt my feelings, or or, or they're not pretty today, or they burnt the biscuits, or, or no, I love him. I love him. I love him. And so I made a decision to love him. That's what it means about the first love. How's your first love? Amen. How many remember that fire that burned the first time you 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 come into the presence of God, the first time you spoke in tongues? That you were baptized in his name that time that, that, that there was a mighty move of God, amen we don't all live at conferences and camp meetings and, and, and we don't all live in revivals and, but we can all live determined to have the first love we can look the part we can look the part don't mean to take advantage of this. Yes, I do. Make, I mean to take advantage of this marriage issue right here, right now, because I got this captive audience. But the world says, if I find something better, that I like better, I'm going to go seek it. I'm going to go get it. I don't like this model this is what they're doing today with the Word. I don't like this. I don't like this. You've got to be baptized in Jesus' name business. I'll go look somewhere else. I have come across people in my ministry that I determined that they are what I call glorified seekers. One day they're in this. One day they believe in that. One day they're teaching this and something else the next day because they do not have a first love that anchored them anchored him. Again, Spurgeon said, another thing that I recorded and put in my notes is that he said this, when love dies, orthodox doctrine becomes a corpse. When love dies, orthodox doctrine becomes a corpse. A powerless formalism. Adherence to the truth soars into bigotry when the sweetness of the light of love to Jesus departs. Wow. I've watched people that have the truth and are anchored in the truth, but buddy, they will beat you up over it. So how does this church overcome this? How does the church overcome this? In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 5, Remember therefore from which thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, and accept thou repent. Three things. Three things. Remember. Somebody say remember. remember. Repent. repent. Redo. Redo. Say it again. Remember. remember. Repent redo remember that original love that you had amen remember that 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 connection that you had with god amen what what was it cost you to leave your first love Remember where you left it. Go back and pick it up. Contemplate your relationship and how you used to love God and how you used to pray and how you used to be so intent, how you used to be passionate, how your worship was passionate, and how your prayer was passionate. Amen. How winning lost was passion of yours. And then just simply remember that and think about it. And the next thing is repent. Change your direction. Change your focus. Amen. Repent is a Greek word that simply means change your mind. Repent. Repentance would require the Ephesian believers to change their mind about something. Evidently, they needed to change their mind about thinking if they were laboring for Christ, and that was enough for them. Is working for the church enough? Is working for the church enough Amen. We need a first love. We need God and a first love. Praise God. Amen. I have somewhat more to go, but I feel just the need right now to pray. Would you stand with me, please? How is your love for God? How is your passion for the Lord? Do you feel like sometimes you're just simply going through the motions Do you need an original match to spark again with your love for God? Is there a need to simply say, God, I've been busy. I've done church. I believe in the truth. I've got standards, oh God, and and I, I live holy and righteous, oh Lord, but there's something that I need I need a passion renewed in my, my life. I need, a, I need a passion burning in my soul again. I need a desire to come up closer to you, oh God. Amen, Lord. I want to see your glory. I want to see your power. Oh, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, right now, would you walk through this congregation? Lord, would you walk through this group of people that is gathered here on a Tuesday night? And Lord, ex- help us examine our heart right now to see, Lord Jesus, if we are truly in the place that we have left our first love. Oh God, we have truly needing a new spark in our spirit. God, I pray today that you would help us, God, Lord, to return. God, to remember. Father, to repent and redo. I I think it's time to come to the altar right now. I would, would that everybody would please come to the altar in this place today. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, today. God we need you Lord Jesus we need to return to our first love we need to return Lord to our first love our passion of worship oh God help us Lord Jesus to reignite it like never before our passion for prayer our love for truth oh Lord is great but God we need your presence Lord and Father tonight bears that out it bears it out that we can't do this without you we cannot do it without you Lord Oh, this culture will swallow us up, God, if we don't have a first love. All oh, society will eat us up if we don't have a first love. Lord, I pray, God, that you would help us. We cannot afford to embrace the pagan culture of our day. We cannot afford to embrace the perversion of our hour. We need a first love. Renew us, O oh God. Renew us, Lord, in this place, I pray. Renew me, O oh God, with a passion for you. Lord, with a passion for you. Glory to your name. Glory to your name today. Lord, I praise you, God. I praise you, God. I praise you, God. I praise you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Jesus. Hallelujah. I have quite a bit more to teach, but I want to tell you, I'm going to be very, very open with you. I felt like we were just so disconnected tonight. Just, just, I don't know if it's me. I don't know if it's you. I don't know if it's the enemy. I just feel a great disconnection in this place. Such distraction. Amen. And I want to just... Let's, let's get it together for a few minutes here. Before we go, let us take just a moment and just solidify our minds and our hearts with God. Amen. Can you just for a minute lay aside what you're doing uh, uh, tomorrow, what, what's going on in your mind, amen, and the distractions of the enemy, and just say, oh, God, let my focus be upon you right now. In the name of the Lord, Father, I want my focus to be you. I want my passion to be you. You stand in the middle of the of the candlesticks, oh God. You stand, Lord Jesus, in, in the middle of this. I pray today that you would help us, God, not so so to be so distracted about this different things. Oh Lord, we need this message. I need this message. God, help us to return to our first love where we showed up early for prayer. Help us to turn to our first love, God, where we, we want a revival more than any else. Help us return to the first love where we wanted to witness to somebody and tell them about the love of Jesus. Help us to return to our first love. Oh God and worship uh, Lord with a, a passion that cannot be quenched. Father I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Lord you help us today. God help us today. Help us today. Help us today Lord I pray in your name. Glory be to God. Glory be to god lord and for the spirit of this age that would want us to destroy have have our love destroyed i come against everything that the enemy tries to do to make our love be diminished in the name of jesus i love you lord i praise you lord i praise you lord today hallelujah you are able god help us to put on lord a, a, a new desire god a fresh desire for you I pray in the mighty name of Jesus, hallelujah, release it. God, release it here in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Oh, for our first love, Lord, to be you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory for our ministry.